Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Town Manager Download, a podcast about local government and the town of Shrewsbury. On today's podcast, we'll be joined by Christopher Roy, the General Manager of Selco, to discuss Selco and public power in the town of Shrewsbury. I'm Kevin Mizikar, Town Manager of the town of Shrewsbury, and as always, I'm joined by Taylor Galusha, Communications Coordinator. How's everything going, Taylor? Nice long, not actually it wasn't a long weekend, but it oh, felt well, like a long weekend, yeah. normal weekend. Yeah, it was good. No, felt shorter because we had finance committee hearings the prior weekend or yes. a couple weekends before. So um, yeah, it was great to have a, a normal weekend. Um, nice weather. Yep, ish. weather's getting there. You can't complain about uh, this week's weather for April. So um, what else is going on? I finished my public information officer basic training last week. What was that all about? How did that go? It was great. It was um, through MEMA with FEMA as well. And it was at the New England um, Regional Communications Education Center in Tuxbury. Mm -hmm. I definitely did not get the acronym correct for that <laughs> location, but um, it's a new like uh, training location for um, the region for uh, public information and whatnot. So that's great. So you'll be taking Super. on the role as public information officer for the town, and those. That's an emergency management-based position. So what are, what are some of the concepts that you all went through there? Um, we started at the basic basics up into training how to do like a press briefing on camera and interviews, um, but they like to emphasize that. It, the function can be for planned events and also um, unplanned events. So if like, for example, MEMA will have a public information officer working for the Boston Marathon, mm -hmm. it's a planned mass gathering. Um, so it's always good to be prepared for um, stuff like that. But. Yeah, that's a good, interesting role. We look forward to hearing more about. Um, talking about your new role as communications coordinator and um, some of your near-term goals on a future episode. So what's up in the shrew? What else is going on? We have a lot going on uh, as we get into our, I get not the end of our busy season, but kind of the end of our super busy season. Um, the assessor's office is taking applications for the T Shrewsbury Tax Relief Fund. Um, those are due back May 15th. It's an online, there's an online application you can print out and send back into the assessor's office. Um, That's the new program, right? Yes, it's the Standing with Shrewsbury Tax Relief Committee. So that was established through last annual town meeting. Um, the committee got appointed earlier this year and now they actually have funds to distribute. So um, right. if people have questions, they can reach out to the assessor's office. Um, I think their email is assessors at shrewsburyma.gov and then their phone number is 508-841-8501. Okay. So they can answer Great. any questions people have. That's awesome. Yeah, the Arbor Day event that Selco is hosting, um, I believe that is April 29th where they're gonna be giving out free trees. Um, they have 750 trees to give out um, and a bunch of different town organizations are going to be participating um, at it. They're hosting it at Dean Park this year from 9 to 12. Great. Um, so that's super exciting. 
so many things. Yeah, so we have updated town hall hours with uh, really two purposes behind it. Um, so the changes in hours are much like we had last summer. So Tuesday evenings, the building uh, town hall will be open until uh, 6.30 for uh, municipal staff. And then on Fridays, it will close at noon for municipal operations. So the, the two drivers behind that is one trying to provide additional customer service hours outside of normal business hours. So those who need to access business at the town hall but work a traditional business schedule, uh, have that opportunity to come in. And we saw a lot of individuals take uh, advantage of that last summer. So we'll continue that. And then it is uh, obviously a benefit to employees. So although they're continue to work the same number of hours on a weekly basis, it does uh, get them out of the building uh, for the most part uh, at noon on Friday, which uh, is an incentive. We're always trying to find ways to be uh, competitive in the marketplace and of course many employers mm -hmm. um, have the opportunity to do full remote schedule and things like that and we don't so we thought this was a nice opportunity to explore with uh, town employees uh, very similar to what other municipalities do as well so we're not you know blazing the trail on this one um, and today uh, changing topics is the first day of spring yard waste collection at the curb so uh, that's an added feature this year. We're expanding curbside collections throughout the year and residents uh, were mailed a postcard with a calendar. So we'll be doing at least one uh, pickup per month between now and the fall. And as we get into the heavier fall season, there will be multiple weeks that we pick up throughout the month. So everyone should take advantage of that and take a look at the new schedule. We hope it's a benefit uh, is we have a benefits everyone like we think it will be and we have a new hauler that's doing that casella so it's a separate contract from our regular um, solid waste and recycling collection at the curb so <clears throat> those are a couple customer service enhancements that that mm -hmm. we're looking at as we move towards uh, town meeting in may uh, May 15th it will start. We're finalizing everything with the Finance Committee over the next few Thursdays. So there'll be public hearings associated with the warrant and we'll be no doubt spending five or six hours with the committee going through everything. There's 54 mm -hmm. warrant articles and it'll take a lot to get through that and receive public comment, which we're looking forward to. It's our first batch of CPC articles as well. So there'll be a bunch of, I think, 10 project yeah there's 10 well there's 10 total articles one of them's the the administrative funding article but okay. nine, so nine, nine projects that are seeking funding with the approval of town meeting that have the recommendation of the CPC and some involvement items that are on the horizon um, the multimodal the transportation multimodal study um, for the town center they're gonna be they have launched a survey um, that can be found online. It's, I think it's shrewsburyma.gov slash multimodal. Mm -hmm. um, and then the climate action plan survey for the community will be coming out in the next few weeks. So I think by the time this episode launches, that community survey will be out. So That's all in Shrewsbury? Yes, on uh, shrewsbury.com. I think it's Shrewsbury, the, no, I think the, <laughs> the yeah. internal link is shrewsburyma.gov slash all in Shrewsbury. Okay, so, that's the best way um, to get there is through the yes. town website. Yep. 
Great. Uh, Lots of exciting things. Yeah. So we've talked a number of times on the Town Manager Download about some of the unique features of uh, municipal government in New England. Um, and certainly uh, there's public power entities that are outside of New England, but uh, as far as Massachusetts goes, we're one of 41 municipalities that have our own public power entity, and that's uh, Shrewsbury uh, electric light and cable, um, so Selco. And um, we're pleased today to uh, have Chris Roy, who's been the general manager of Selco since July of 2020, join us on the town manager download. So um, we'll take this opportunity to welcome Chris in onto the set. All right, Chris, welcome to the set. Uh, we're so happy to have you here to talk about public power and uh, Selco and, and how you serve the residents of Shrewsbury. So how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, thank awesome. you. Awesome, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to come and sit with Taylor and I. Um, let's, let's take it uh, from the top. So tell us about your experience and history and path into the local government, public power, and how that happened. And yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, in, in short, uh, like I'd say many uh, college-age kids today, um, I uh, was in search of a job uh, after mounting college debt, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I had picked an engineering path, and as luck would have it, I went to uh, the Career Resources Group and uh, said, well, I'm not really interested in, you know, the laboratory work. I had gone down that path a little, but as luck would have it, um, the neighbor happened, uh, the, the neighbor of the career resources woman happened to be uh, um, affiliated with the local utility. Mm. And so she said, well, I'll, I'll talk to my neighbor when he's out raking leaves and <laughs> hand him your resume. And uh, and the connection was made. And from there, uh, I went through the interview process and secured my first job right out of school. Um, and that was what is now Eversource. And so I started my career there through their leadership training group and, um, and then made the jump to public power uh, about four years after that. Okay. So what do you have a degree in, Chris? What? I have a bachelor's in electrical engineering and a master's in power systems management. Oh, interesting. Yes. Great. Um, so you started in the in the private side of things with Eversource, and uh, where was your first municipal job? So, yep, that was the jump from Eversource to Concord okay. Municipal Light Plant, and uh, um, that was a uh, an interesting transition going from how uh, the private sector utilities are run to the municipal sector, and um, I haven't looked back ever since. So you've been in public power since Concord. Since Concord. Uh, and I know you also served the, the city, is it the city of Belmont, town of Belmont? It is town. Town of Belmont. Yep. So you've been with three public power. And, and I had mentioned previously that there's 41 uh, municipalities that have uh, public power uh, departments or public power within their communities. What, what would you, how do you explain the biggest difference between a public power entity like Selco and um, investor-owned utilities, you taught me that uh, term, investor-owned sure. utility there, uh, Eversource or National Grid. So what, what's the biggest difference? The, the biggest difference uh, is often derived in the title there, investor-owned 
highlights who owns National Grid and Eversource. So basically all policies, all business direction is geared towards the investors okay. of the privately owned utilities. Whereas in the municipal light plant model, uh, the public power model, the owners are the local communities. So therefore, every decision made is for the value and benefit of the community as the owner versus the investor who is looking to earn a return mm -hmm. on that investment. Interesting. So um, you've been with Selco since uh, July of 2020, and um, Selco obviously has a, a long and storied history well before that. So mm -hmm. what's what's the... How long has Selco been in place and um, how has it evolved over that time and, and how it serves the community? Sure. Uh, well, I guess I would be remiss not to uh, highlight the fact that our website does have a really nice history going back to the centennial of 2008. Uh, <clears throat> so I will uh, pull some of my factoids from that <laughs> document. Um, but it is it matches what I've learned along the way. And so. Um, to quickly touch on the origins, it was the 1890-1891 time frame where public power as an entity came into being, where in that time it was a lot simpler than today and it was focused on street lighting. And, uh, and so the roots of that were the uh, private street light providers and it, you know really the inaugural expansion of electricity to many areas, you know, they were finding it difficult and, and, and many communities were, weren't feeling they were being properly served. So in the 1890s, uh, they opened the door to municipally owned systems. And from there you saw, as you mentioned, the 41 MLPs in Massachusetts. From there, uh, you really started to see, uh, you know, more and more communities um, getting involved in, in taking control of their own utility operations. And so Shrewsbury in particular, 1908, uh, they went through the, the uh, municipal light plan adoption process, uh, which remains the same today as it did uh, over 100 years ago. Hmm. And, um, and so 1908, Shrewsbury entered the mix and uh, started delivering street lighting and building out uh, the electric system. Interesting. I don't think you were here in 1908, but I'll, 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 we'll dig in a little bit on that. Yeah. So do you have any idea? It's very interesting to, uh, to think about. So this concept of electricity and it was bringing lights, you know, street lighting into neighborhoods. When did, when did electricity really start going into homes? Ah, so that, so it's like the, you were saying the late 1800s, it was street lighting. Yes. By the time that Selco was, created just 20 years or so later, I would assume that electrification was, was moving from the street lights to the home. Yes, so that, that's, that time frame also spurred expansion of electricity to the homes, also the transition of electricity being reserved for, quite frankly, the, the wealthy families okay. that could afford to extend wires or yeah. generating plants to their, uh, to their homes to being a public good mm -hmm. that uh, is a, an underpinning of economic development. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, you know, you're seeing that through 1908, then the 1910, mm -hmm. um, and every community has their own variation of that. Um, just to, to quickly 
touch on a, a neighboring community, you know, story to the north. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's also this other model, uh, the New Hampshire Electric Cooperative was formed because again, as the private utilities expanded, it also wasn't profitable to expand to more rural communities. Mm. And so you had these other models, whether it be uh, municipalization or formation of cooperatives to bring those lines to farming communities and other places where the density didn't make the business model look mm -hmm. the same as a uh, Worcester or a Boston or, mm -hmm. or otherwise. Interesting. So it took some time, but by the time Selco was being built, there was already uh, roads or paths in uh, to electrification of homes. That's great. So uh, while we're on the his history, I'll, I'll touch back on a, another conversation you and I, Chris. It's, it's my understanding that municipal uh, light departments uh, used to sell electric appliances. Yes. I, I don't know that Selco ever has. It makes a lot of sense, but um, can you touch on that piece of history for That's, MLPs? Okay, so then uh, fast forward a, a couple of decades from mm -hmm. just getting electricity now, it went into well, electricity is the way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and so municipal light plants across the state started to either open storefronts mm -hmm. for appliances. Uh, I believe Selco, we didn't necessarily have a storefront here, but we did have uh, the lobby of the office. I, I have seen pictures that you could walk through the lobby and there'd be electric appliances on your left and your right, and you could browse mm -hmm. uh, your options to mm -hmm. see why you should um, make the investment into an electric appliance. And so that was a real boon uh, for the industry. And, and again, you know, not to oversimplify, but in many ways it was an effort to uh, grow sales. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the interesting thing, not to jump around in the historical timeline here, <laughs> but then it went, uh, you know, over the subsequent decades, it went from electrify storefronts and all of this to energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. And now for a different reason, we're into today's um, era where we're looking to then electrify again. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's a whole other you know, noteworthy yeah. topic. There's a lot of similarities and now, of course, uh, Selco has evolved, I think, in, in at least into two really distinct and separate areas, one being cable in the 1980s. Yes. And then uh, internet at some point, and maybe, maybe you know the time frame better than I do, but I it's, it's, a lot of, it's really interesting to think about how electricity came to be and, and Selco has evolved ever since uh, gaining a foothold in the area. But um, so talk about the cable and internet aspect of Selco's operations, if you would. Yeah, sure. So staying in theme, so Selco has been the root of a lot of significant um, achievements in the industry. Um, just touching on two in the electric before going okay. to the cable. One uh, was a landmark uh, lawsuit that um, one of the prior managers, Jim Breaker, uh, brought, to, brought to light where <clears throat> before essentially Shrewsbury had to buy power from National Grid mm -hmm. and then distribute it there, whereas, um, you know, Selco initiated uh, the lawsuit to say, well, we're a utility like a National Grid. Uh, we should be able to buy wholesale and then uh, at obviously a lower cost mm -hmm. and then distribute it more efficiently from there. 
So that was the, the first one. The second one was the formation of the Massachusetts Municipal Wholesale Electric Company, which offers now buying that wholesale in bulk. Mm -hmm. So that was another significant uh, economies of scale win for the model. And then after that was done, now we get into the cable world where, okay, we've done two major achievements. Now let's, hey, let's be the first municipally owned cable operator um, really in the region mm -hmm. uh, back in 1983. Mm. Interesting. So th were those Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court cases? Yes, those were all federal. Interesting. Um, federal cases. Wow. So, um, so you had cable and, and um, Selco pretty much as long as cable has existed is, has been the only provider of cable TV service in, in Shrewsbury. Um, and then any idea when Selco started offering internet, how that, I mean, obviously I know there's dial up internet yep. before there was, you know, dedicated DSL and things like that. But um, so, I assume in the, in the late nineties or early two thousands, we began providing those services. Yes. So that was uh, along that timeline. This is a really good test for my memory <laughs> of history. Um, I happen to be a fan. So, uh, <laughs> So yes, so then uh, the cable TV side uh, and delivery of TV signal evolved um, first to the internet and then to telephone. I believe telephone was 2006. Okay. So relatively speaking, sure. compared to 1908, right. a little more recent. Uh, and then in between, I believe it was 1990, 1990 maybe early 90s mm -hmm. was addition of, of the internet side of things. Hmm. Um, so again, it's just the continual layering of additional services to uh, basically adapt to, mm -hmm. again, the focus of, um, you know, the uh, back to the root of the business model, mm -hmm. right? That's the, it's the essence of what does the community need to thrive? Mm -hmm. and we'll deliver that service. Um, and so it's really a fascinating evolution of the municipal model on both the electric and the cable industries. Speaking of business models, Chris, so, um, how does, what's the day-to-day, -day, what's the operating model of Selco? So there's the Shrewsbury uh, Light Commission, uh, you know, five commissioners uh, that are appointed by the town manager and then, and you report to the Light Commission. How, how, do, how do you structure your organization uh, beyond that point? Sure, so we have set up our structure with uh, I have five direct reports. Okay. So as we talked about, uh, we have two primary business units, uh, being the electric and cable side. So right now we have it structured as one of the folks that directly reports to me is your director of the electric service side. Mm -hmm. Another is the director of the cable service side. And then we have two groups that span both business units. So that would be accounting, obviously the financial side. Um, spans mm -hmm. both businesses. Uh, same with customer service, um, marketing, communications, outreach, that type of thing. So that covers both. And then the, th the third group that really is cross-functional is IT. Mm -hmm. So we have that kind of as a separate, um, separate group to make sure our business systems can support all of our activities. Interesting. And how many uh, total employees does Selco have? Uh, currently 72. Okay. That's great. Um, so, obviously, a lot has changed over Selco's history, and 
Um, I've, you know, had the experience of working in local government in a number of communities in Massachusetts, and this is Shrewsbury is the first community that I've worked in that's had a public power entity. Um, so I see that as a huge advantage of, of being able to, you know, uh, garner economic development opportunities and business relationships and partnerships that are literally just down the hall at the town hall uh, where SoCo offices are. Um, what a, how do you see that relationship between uh, the, the formal town and, and Selco and, and how we can best take advantage of continuing to have a public power entity in Shrewsbury? Sure, that's a great question. I think that's one of the key components to communicate in terms of the benefit to any community looking either that currently has this option or looking to explore this option mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, you, in many cases, right, 41 out of 351. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's not a high percentage. Right. And so quite often it falls by the wayside as you don't know what you're missing until, you know, if you, you haven't tried chocolate cake, you might not know how good <laughs> it is. Um, but the point is, you know, getting that word out there. So uh, to, to more directly answer that question, you know, any activity of a community involves, you know, uh, multiple departments, multiple um, research, research efforts and, and um, you know, and there's permitting and, you know, what's right for each respective community. And so one of the key players that's often missing at the table are your telecom providers, your electricity providers, because they're private and they don't answer to the town necessarily. They, they might respond to an email if the... Mm -hmm. Uh, local leadership right. is upset, but they answer to the investor-owned right. model. They answer to investors, the, and and so here we're you know we're like you said in the in the same community, same building, uh, same everything. So we can more directly shape what's best for the community, and you see that uh, with respect to partnerships in a variety of ways, whether it's hanging banners or an Arbor Day. Um, model to um, to the efficiency of the business function. I mean, you look at um, and it's it's harder to quantify, and that's one of the um, I guess shortcomings of of public power is given its efficiency. Uh, we don't have the same. I mean, while we're actually lucky here in Shrewsbury because we have a couple of folks that are dedicated to communications, many, if not actually most, do not. Mm -hmm. So we're able to make a simple pamphlet that says, hey, look at the value you're bringing or, um, you know, uh, uh, economic development opportunity. It's a point of pride when we can say, hey, um, come build here in Shrewsbury because our not only reliability ratings are second to none, mm -hmm. but look at how much your business could save mm -hmm. by um, paying lower rates. Yeah. And so often it's hard to believe because you're like, wait, we're, we're going to save a substantial amount of money and our service is going to be twice as good? Like, where do you get that? Right. Yeah, so let, let's talk about the rates for just a second, Chris. So Selco rates are, you know, beyond competitive, uh, you know, uh, head and shoulders above uh, competitive uh, levels with the investor-owned utilities. Um, and we're um, very competitive within the municipal marketplace if you're just looking at uh, municipal uh, light departments. So um, 
Maybe you could talk about that. So uh, it certainly is a huge economic development uh, incentive and, and tool that we try to use as much as possible, but what do those rates look like on a comparative basis to uh, the investor owned? Sure, well, uh, it's an interesting question to ask, especially in the last six months. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been in a time of unprecedented rate turbulence and energy costs. Um, but speaking more generally, uh, we have found Shrewsbury's rates tend to be close to half of um, nearby private utilities, um, you know, on the order of say 40%. Okay. Um, for instance, uh, one calculation, you know, we use about 750 kilowatt hours per month as an average user in Shrewsbury. That varies. I think the state statewide average they might use 600 but it's close okay and so uh, one of the statistics we toss out there is if you live in Shrewsbury and say you're even on the border of town your neighbor right down the street say might live in Worcester you're every year going to save a thousand dollars over over your neighbor I mean and, and we try and quantify that okay well thousand is nothing to sneeze at mm -hmm. but it's also uh, think about that. Think about how that could translate to a car payment, mm -hmm. to a mortgage payment, to college savings plans, mm -hmm. you know, anything that, you know, you could contribute to that's not, that also, you know, accrues interest over time. So right. that, that's one year. Right. So we've done, you know, say you live in town for 10 or, you know, plan ahead. I mean, that's a significant jump, not to mention that anyone should be warned if they're looking to move out of town. Right that could be a hidden cost that they right. might not plan for. Right. Yeah, and I mean, when you couple that with the town's relatively low tax rate, yes. um, you know, the value that are, is provided to residents through this, you know, really internalized approach that has been the Shrewsbury way for so long uh, really provides beyond great value for, for residents. And Chris, you've begun to chart a path forward for uh, Selco and your business units that uh, I feel will keep us strongly at the forefront of um, things associated with uh, utility consumption and, and, and power consumption. And then of, of course, the, the, the backbone of pretty much everything that we do in our lives these days, which is internet. So I'd like to, to spend the last part of our conversation here talking about the 2032 initiative mm -hmm. uh, for n uh, net carbon neutrality and then sure. the fiber to the home uh, project that, that you all are working on. So let, let's start with uh, the impact of, of climate change and thinking that you mentioned before with electrification and it being uh, a way to provide clean power to the things that we do in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and Selco has set out a goal of 2032 to be carbon neutral uh, in your sourcing, I believe, and the energy supply that you provide. So um, that gives me great reliance as the town manager, knowing what we can do um, as the municipality to be green in how we conduct business. But where does 2032 come from and um, what are the major um, aspects of that initiative that, that you're undertaking even as we sit here today about 10 years in advance of that date? Sure, great question. I think uh, I just want to tie it back to uh, one of your previous questions or, or statements, which this is, uh, I think, a great example of the, the cooperative and uh, coordinated effort between the public power model 
and you know the, the you know I guess furtherance of the community mm -hmm. being the majority if you look at the study of, of climate related uh, impact you're going to see transportation and home heating mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. building related stuff mm -hmm. uh, that are primary contributors those are things directly outside of our jurisdiction however in order for those sectors to be appropriately transitioned to a less you know a non-emitting or make that progress uh, you know to, to be less emitting the underpinnings of that have to be clean and there's where our power portfolio comes into play and so if we can be ahead of the curve and and you know secure non-emitting components and power supply then the second piece of that is then we can then support the other community efforts to say hey um, you know build <laughs> roads or um, you know different uh, um, transportation options can then you know say okay well hey the energy you're using to fuel your vehicle or, or heat your home is sourced through you know, you know wind solar hydro you name it um, if when you transition we can now make marked improvements mm -hmm. uh, over those metrics and and that's where that key comes into play because just to, to draw the contrast is if you don't have the utility on the energy side on board you, you you're just and, and sometimes pushing rope because you have to have both coordinated in order to make uh, you know make those emission numbers come down mm -hmm. so we're doing that uh, we're doing that through to your point uh, anything we secure through our general power supply contract gets applied to anyone who's connected to our system and so we're actively seeking new contracts that um, that meet those that criteria uh, and at the same time, actually, I should put the plug in there too. The the other component to that is we do, uh, similar to the appliances, mm -hmm. we push electrification, but at the same time, we're doing that through rebates and incentives. Okay. Um, we might not be able to say, hey, you should go buy a certain vehicle, mm -hmm. uh, but we certainly can say, hey, you know, if uh, if you're going to make that choice, mm -hmm. here's an incentive to say it's worth your while, and this is why it's a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. So we have several programs all listed on the website, um, and uh, we try and update those on a regular basis to see what is the most effective. You know what uh, you know, has the most impact to emissions reductions, and what stretches the dollar uh, the best best way possible. Great. So um, I know Selco and various aspects of the town have been exploring adding solar panels to town buildings yes. and. Um, we're looking to make some adjustments at the annual town meeting in May to allow battery storage to be a little bit easier in certain areas of the community. So um, there's a lot of you know back and forth, give and take, and partnership that are happening in those those areas as well. So and of course the electrification of our own fleet is enabled by um, the chargers that Selco is installing and plants install throughout the community, and um, so. Um, that infrastructure is critical to, to making things happen. So uh, we'll leave the power side of things and flop over to uh, internet. Uh, Selco has a fiber to the home or fiber yes. to the endpoint entity uh, that's going on in the community. What's, what's the latest on that project and how's it going? Yeah, no, that's another great question. So never a dull moment at Selco. 
Uh, on, the, on the cable side of things, we're going through uh, what I would consider to be uh, an, an in industry-wide evolution, revolution mm -hmm. perhaps. Uh, but the, so the backbone of that one is fiber internet. So that, um, right now, dating back to the 80s, we have a coaxial-based system that has served us well. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're about halfway through replacing all of that infrastructure with fiber optic cable. Fiber optic cable will then enable us to make all of the technological advancements that today's uh, devices and entertainment and news all leverage. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything, if you may have heard, uh, for those listening in, um, you know, anything cloud-based. So really, the fiber optic cable allows, um, you, you know, not to use the term, but future-proofing mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, the exchange of data. And so really, uh, that's the foundation of everything. And so we're, we're do you know with the deployment of the fiber optic cable, we can then um, enhance our broadband offering, and then that broadband offering is the basis for phone, it's basis for obviously internet, it's the basis for your new cloud TV option, Salco Stream, which we're um, we've started deploying. We're looking to really ramp up um, the the transition to Salco Stream in the second half of, of this year, obviously moving forward as well. Great. Awesome. So sounds like you're making a, a ton of progress in, in that area as well. And those are two really forward-looking initiatives that, that you've taken on since you've, you've come to Shrewsbury that, that's really leading us into the future. I mean, I think I could probably sit here and uh, have this conversation with you for, for hours on end, but maybe we can have you back at some point in time and dig a little bit deeper into uh, the various technical components of, of Selco and, and public power and um, the other things that you do for the town. Um, but uh, I guess at this point, we've um, come to the end of another great conversation here on the Town Manager Download. I just want to remind our listeners that if uh, you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. So uh, I'd like to take the opportunity to again, to again thank Christopher Roy, uh, Selco General, General Manager, for being on with us today. I'm Kevin Mizikar, and on behalf of Taylor Galusha, thank you for listening.